2: Happy holidays, everyone. I know this is a special time of year. We are taking a few weeks off. And we'll be back with some of my best friends are in mid-January. This time dropping in your feet on Wednesdays instead of Tuesdays. We'll catch you then. Have a wonderful
3: holiday season. I was also fortunate enough to be a part of the cast of uh, Fargo. Mm. It's set in Kansas City, but it was so, so, so Chicago. It felt like Chicago.
1: You were Chris Rock's wife.
3: Uh, No, Chris Rock was my husband.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. And I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And this is Some of My Best Friends Are. Some of My Best Friends Are dot, dot, dot. In this show, we wrestle with the challenges and the absurdities of a deeply divided and unequal country. And in this episode, we are talking about two of our
2: favorite television shows right now. They tell us so much about how places themselves, like cities, play a huge part in how we understand the divisions in our country and how we might come together. They give us so much joy, and we want you to enjoy them too. Man, TV is knowledge. I like this, Khalil. (laughs) Edutainment. We got it. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know this episode has some strong language. Just a fair warning, but stick around.
3: Something No need to be slow. Mama merry gone off to
1: work. What's up, Khalil? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I loved what you just said about TV shows, you know, where they're set being like a character in itself and being so important to to the actual story.
2: Yeah, to how we understand, like, you know, who we are and our neighbors and even what informs how we think about the world.
1: And I, I love movies like that. I love TV shows like that. I love books like that. But I'm thinking about TV shows that are set in a certain place, mm-hmm. and how there's a pleasure when you're familiar with the place to see to see the familiar. And you know, we have both seen Abbott Elementary set in Philadelphia in a, in an elementary school there. Oh man, it's great! And just like recognizing the flavors of Philadelphia, the the attitudes and and yeah, the food, the food, like the aspects of a place. Yes,
2: and a show that Friends turned me on to a couple of years ago, The Ozarks, and I was very slow to watch it, but oh my god, I'm like totally immersed in this other world that I've never been to, never thought about going to. And the place is so much a part of
1: what makes that show work. Yeah. And so that's another idea. Like you're actually using that show to travel somewhere you've never been and to learn about it.
2: That's right. And sometimes, of course, you're you're learning things that actually don't aren't very representative <laughs> of an area. No, no.
1: <laughs> There's this danger of like a Hollywood yeah. version of a place where it's a total caricature and it's yep. misleading. And then there, there are shows that were like, are very organic and made by local artists. And it, it's, it's the real, real. And actually that's a
2: good point because if you think about it, when you don't actually know a place very well, you can't actually evaluate exactly. know, what's going on. What are the interventions? What are the writers trying to tell us about this place that we
1: didn't already know? Boom, and that's why we're here today. Because we're going to talk about two (laughs) Chicago TV shows.
2: Yep, so we're going to talk about HBO Max's original series called South Side. It is a comedy send-up of this predatory lending furniture place (laughs) called Rent to Own. (laughs) And we learn so much about so many different types of Chicagoans. And also just like the crazy stuff that happens in a city when folks are trying to like get their hustle on.
1: (laughs) And in the second part of the show we're gonna talk about a TV show called The Bear, which is on mm-hmm. FX Hulu. Oh, I love that show. And it's actually sort of set in a kind of ambiguous near north side of Chicago inside an Italian beef shop. And as a guest today, this is amazing, we have on <laughs> Jay Nicole Brooks, who yes. is an actor on the south side. That's right. She's not on The Bear, yep. but she's an amazing Chicago, an amazing Chicago actor, writer, intellectual, creator. Playwright, yes. And she and I actually met several years ago When I finished my book about Cabrini-Green, you know, this public housing development on the near north side of Chicago, known for its infamy. That's right. Because she was writing a play about Jane Byrne, Chicago's mayor, who moves into Cabrini-Green into an apartment in 1981. And I had a whole chapter in my book about that. And so here she and I are getting together and like chopping up like how we each came at this story from like, you know, a narrative nonfiction way, from a totally like fictional theatrical way. And, you know, we just totally hit it off because we were doing the same work.
2: And how Chicago matters so much to the stories that you tell from exactly. two very different approaches.
1: Yeah, that the meaning of the place is, is so significant. So let's just jump in with Jane Nicole Brooks and because uh, yep. she's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Well, hello. It's great to see you. It's great to have you on.
3: Likewise. I'm so, so happy to be here and kick it with y'all. Thank you. You
2: are the bomb diggity, but I'm not sure what to call you for this interview. I mean, I know your name is J. Nicole Brooks, but what do you go by?
3: It depends on the situation. (laughs) You know, if you are like a white person that owns a corporation and I owe you money, it's probably Deanna. Mm. If you are in the arts, it's J. Nicole Brooks. And if you're friends, you can call me Slick. So please call me Slick.
4: All
1: right. Slick. I like that. (laughs) We are going to start by playing a clip from the HBO comedy The South Side from a little moment that you're in one of the episodes.
3: Alexander, good night. Can I help you? Yeah, Olivia, I'm a PA.
1: You're a PA? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought PAs were usually kind of on the, you know, the fresh out of college, kind of a younger kind. Of, I mean, you, you seem like you've yeah, lived. Well, okay,
3: well, I'm a late bloomer. Oh, get off my dick. Okay, well, getting off your dick, and I'm off of it. Can I help
1: you? So, uh, slick. <laughs> I mean, basically, I'm playing that because we're gonna, we want to get on your metaphorical dick here a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 talk to you at first about like who you are professionally, all the amazing stuff that you've accomplished. Can you describe yourself as a Chicago actor and writer and creator?
3: As far as my history here in Chicago, I'm born and raised here. And uh, Mm. I studied uh, theater and performance and dance since I was 15. And uh, though I've lived in Los Angeles and New York, Chicago is always planted home. And after years of being away and hustling all over, Chicago is pretty much the place where my acting career sort of took a pop and and started climbing to places where uh, I didn't quite know it would. And it's been, I don't know, it's been a beautiful joy in one of those places <laughs> with South Side. <laughs> so you've been on the South
1: Side. What else have you been on?
3: I'm also uh, what we call a recurring character, a guest star recurring on Chicago Fire, I play, well, currently like one of the highest ranking characters. I play uh, DC Hills. So she's the deputy commissioner over the f- entire fire department. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, pop, pop. Um, you know, I like I be, I like telling people what to do.
1: Because we know how Black women in Chicago have risen to the highest ranks of the Chicago Fire Department.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That role is actually inspired by actual individuals. Wow. So uh, shout out to all of the Black femmes and women uh, that are first responders and then the uh, fire department. So there's that. I've also uh, played a cap on uh, <laughs> the first two seasons of The Shy. I played a character called Sergeant Clemens. She okay. was a sergeant um, in the police department. Yeah.
2: We love that show. I, well, I should say, I love The Shy. Just uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Don't speak for I, me. I, yeah, I can't speak for, for the acting, <laughs> the storytelling, the writing. Just uh, And and another show with a lot of complexity about Black people. I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes The Shy so interesting.
3: Yes. You know, as an actor, I have my experiences as a writer. I might have other thoughts as a creative, you know what I mean? Uh, Love it or not love it. Any of these shows that are set in Chicago, the ones I've been involved with have really been a great joy to work on. And it's just always funny to me how, you know, like, we have our opinions about how they're done. And I got plenty of them,
2: you know. <laughs> so I'm a Chicagoan. I love my city. But I haven't lived in Chicago since I was 22 years old. And one of the things that Ben and I talk a lot about is, like, what this city means to us as the shared place that that helped us become the adults we are and the writers we are and the people who care deeply about, you know, really big questions I'm curious for you, though, since you have lived other places, what is it about Chicago and your artistry that is so compelling?
3: Ooh, sweet baby, my Lord. Okay, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> you know, first of all, I think that when you are fortunate enough to be born and bred here, there's a certain pride that you grow up with. And I don't care what the industry is or what the category might be, it's like Chicago over everything, everywhere, Mm. Uh, you know, and it's also like we're Midwestern. And so we're nice, tough guys, I think.
1: I like that. Let me ask a related question, which is, you know, you're also a playwright and a, a screenwriter. I mean, so you're writing stories about Chicago. What are like the representations of Chicago that you're sort of like working against that you're trying to subvert? You know, that are these depictions of the city that are out there in TV and film and plays that you, you're like, I am gonna show something that's different or more complicated or other.
3: Well, Ben, I definitely feel, you know, I, I feel like you and I have so much in common, you know what I mean? Like coming yeah. from like some of the same parts of town and growing up in the same way. Uh, so I don't know if these are some of the things that you feel as a creator, but for me personally, I feel like there are so many other cities across the nation. And when it comes to film and TV and things like that, we know their personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like with the city of Chicago, when it's represented on screen, we don't always get a sense of the personality. Mm. And it's yeah. often because... It's people that are creating it and don't know shit about the city.
1: Mm. So what are they showing instead?
3: Oh, my God. They're showing Chicago and Toronto. And I get that. That's a protesorial yeah. thing. I get it. But it's visually missing the grit and the gorgeous fucked up architecture. <laughs> I know when I'm looking to New York. I know when I'm looking to L.A., I know when I'm looking at Paris, but sometimes when I look at Chicago...
1: Is it a surface thing? Why set something in Chicago? What idea are they going at? And then like, how do you like use Chicago differently?
3: If you don't understand how this city came to be, you really won't get the nuance of it. Mm. So for me, I'm a history nerd mm. and I care about what was in existence before I came along. Because yeah. that adversely affects my work. So sometimes in my work, it it might be like an Easter egg. It's just something you kind of see. And I know as a writer and as a creator, I don't really give a fuck if you don't understand the Chicago joke. Mm. I don't give a fuck if you don't understand something that is uniquely Chicago. Because I'm writing for Chicago. Mm.
1: That's interesting.
3: And if you are a good writer, I'm going to just like leave it at this. If you're a good writer, you can really achieve the universal through the specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep your shit laser focused and give me something that I actually can get behind and believe. Because otherwise, you're giving me procedural drama that I like being on. I like those shows because they pay well. But like, right. you know... Uh, <laughs> Give us some nuance because we it's what's there. So if you understand the hyper-segregation, it's going to filter into your work. If you understand that, like, we have gangster mayors and always have, it's going to go into the work or whatever.
2: And gangster governors.
3: We have had so many jailbird governors. <laughs> That's right. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, speaking of keeping it real in terms of the nuances of Chicago. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about this amazing show that you've been part of, South Side. The show just dropped its third season. So when we come back, more on the South Side.
4: Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, NA, member FDIC.
0: The most innovative companies are going further with T Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobilecom slash now. Musora is
5: your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time.
1: so you were bringing up shows that feel like authentically chicago and that are grappling with sort of all the hyper segregation and all the other issues of the city and so we have this comedy that we want to talk about the south side on hbo and it's set in englewood and englewood you and i have both written about cabrini green Englewood is like the new Cabrini-Green and sort of like a shorthand in the way people think of Chicago, a shorthand for like crime, segregation, mostly black neighborhood, to think about total separation, to think about like the scariest parts of the city. And this comedy is really like anything but that. It does deal with poverty, segregation, crime, policing, but in a way that sort of subverts all of these.
3: I'm biased, but...
1: We want that. We want that.
3: (laughs) I'm extraordinarily proud of this team because they are not only writing about it, they film in these communities. Mm. They film on the West Side. They film all over the South Side. And they get into places where I've known other creative teams and crews where... They're like, oh, we can't get the insurance. We don't feel safe there, and it's not safe. And I'm like, well, why are these guys able to do it? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because you have to forge a relationship with communities. And I've watched these guys do that. I'll tell you a super quick anecdote. The first time I auditioned for it, Southside as an actor I heard about the script and then I, I, I was like all right there's a comedy in Chicago it's probably not gonna make it past pilot because <laughs> no one gives Chicago a chance like yeah. I'm like Chicago has the funniest motherfuckers on the planet yet we don't have comedies here blah 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 so I get the sides and I'm like oh this scene is kind of funny I was like damn this scene is really funny yeah damn this seems real real so I was like you know what is probably going to go to a Hollywood big name. So fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to show up and be as Chicago as I can because I'm not right. going to get it. So I showed up in a do rag, my Jordans, <laughs> I had on my my Bulls jersey, and like I just gave it to him. I was like, Fuck yeah. it, I'm not gonna get it," and they're probably gonna say we don't understand your vernacular. And if you, you thought it was gonna go to Nia Long. <laughs> Listen, if I ever in my lifetime lose a role to Nia Long, trust me, I'm getting that tattooed on my That's forehead. <laughs> she lost
1: the role to you. Come on, finish. Let's go. Let's
3: uh- it. <laughs> Shout out to Nia Long, but. My point of that story is that not only uh, in that audition process with the uh, director, writers, and a couple of producers, not only were they into it and encouraged it, I booked the part, and then I'm like, okay, the network is going to say, now nah, we got to change it. But it's Comedy Central. They don't give a fuck.
1: So it was on Comedy Central, and then it got picked up by HBO initially. And then it got yeah. picked
3: up by HBO yeah. Max. Yeah, and. You get on the set and you're like, oh, my God, they're going to let me be my authentic self. Mm -hmm. They're going to let Chicago be Chicago. And once you, like, sink into it and relax, the show just really flies because it's honest to itself. It's not trying to write Chicago so that the entire world understands it. It's just what it is. And you just got to catch up to it. I just smile brightly because... I think that's really dope and not always the case. Yeah.
2: Well, I love that you're speaking to this kind of authenticity about the way that the South Side is depicted and Englewood being this community that is often written out as a dangerous place that one should go to. About, I don't know, seven years ago, I was invited to the culinary school that was built as part of Kennedy King College there. Uh, And it was the first time that I had actually done anything professionally in Inglewood. And I thought, this is amazing that there's this cooking school in this community that people think you you should do everything in your power to avoid if you don't happen to live there. So you're absolutely right. This community is way more rich and compelling than we often think about. But the show itself, which I just love, is to me like a cross between The Office and like The Odyssey. Because every episode is an adventure that these guys have to overcome some set of obstacles, some set of challenges. All of the main characters. Come on, man. Shout, Shout out to Homer.
3: Okay. Come on with the hero's <laughs> journey. Okay. I'm, a, I'm in
2: my groove, y'all. Let me finish. So <laughs> so there's all these anti-stereotypes, and we just absolutely love this for what it does to make complex
3: the brilliance of Black people in that city. I'm going to tell you something. As an actor, I'm like, if I don't get a chance to do a, another comedy that's set in Chicago, I still feel like I won. On the first season of <laughs> Southside. my character... Was in an episode called "The Day the Jordans Dropped, yeah. and it's literally the—you know—it's all about the Jordans and yeah, a new a new version of the Air Jordans coming out. Hey, look, bro. If it was any other day, we would pull over. I mean it, but yo, them new Jordans is coming out, and we got to get back west and finish this all up before the hit sells out. Give me this, give me this.
0: Hey, what if I told you there's a store near you right now that
3: never sells out? Where? Not really? And it's just such a Chicago hilarious episode. So it was just a lot of fucking fun to do it in this way. You had talked
1: about how the specific can be universal. And certainly like the three of us all have have these roots, not just in Chicago, but on the South side. And so I watch this show. And even as a white dude who grew up in the South side, it just speaks to me. And like all these like, you know, neurons are popping, right? Like, they talk about the stuck-up girls at Kenwood High School where we went to, you know, we went to Kenwood. (laughs) And not just that, I married my prom date. You know, like, like I'm still married to the the stuck-up girl from Kenwood who's amazing and wonderful. Danielle, I love you. But there are all kinds of Chicago things like that. There's this one scene we're about to play a clip from where one of the characters is inside a Harold's chicken shack. And, and he wants more of their famous mild <laughs> sauce, you know, which is like this mixture of tangy barbecue sauce. And the woman behind the, the bulletproof glass is refusing to give him more. Thank you, kind sir. Can I have five more mild sauces? I really love the stuff. Hey, Donovan, your guy over here talking about he wants five mild sauces.
3: Five? Nigga, you need five sauces. This is always you. Three piece white. No, ain't happening
1: today. Man, I love that clip. I have lived that experience inside Harold's, no <laughs> doubt. But there are there all these other kinds of Chicago things, which is just amazing. There's an episode that uses the idea of dibs, which is, you know, on a snowy day, when you clear the walk in front of your house, you start putting your furniture out there to make sure that nobody else parks in your spot. <laughs> it, it, it is totally Chicago gangster. And there are all these other Chicago things too. There's an episode on stepping, which is a kind of local dancing and house music. And, and Khalil loves golf. I know that Khalil <laughs> loves golf.
2: Yeah, there's the scene of Jackson Park, which uh, is, of course, probably the most dangerous golf course in America. It's like literally the... Journey from, I believe, hole number nine to hole number ten. You you cross a, kind of a
1: baby highway, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a, that's oh, a yeah. plot point in the show. <laughs> and you know, there's like there's like a riff on Italian Fiesta. Chance the rapper actually makes a really good joke about yes. it, like how depressed he is. He's like, my favorite restaurant's Italian Fiesta. I'm sad,
0: to be honest. I hate my life. Why do I have two name tags right on? Now, brother. on? They both say currency exchange. Mm. My favorite restaurant is Italian Fiesta on the south side. Love that place. Them two words don't go together. Absolutely. One is Italian. One is Mexican. Best joke ever.
1: (laughs) But, you know, so throwing that back on you, like national audiences listening to this and being like, I don't get all the references. Is there a but to that?
3: But I didn't grow up in Queens. And I catch all jokes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't grow up in Brooklyn. And I, you know what I mean? That's just what I feel about it.
1: Or New Jersey and I'm watching The Sopranos or
2: like...
3: Absolutely. Which exit? I don't fucking know shit about Jersey. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like as a viewer, we are trained to accept the personalities of other cities. And so now I honestly feel like Southside is taking a charge in training. And I say that lovingly and respectfully, but like really grabbing the viewer, like yoking them up and saying, catch up. This is Chicago. This is what we do. Yeah. And if you don't understand the Kenwood references and like it, the show just doesn't care. And to me, the show, does the best with clowning because if you're a true clown, I've said this so many times before I mean it, a true clown doesn't do a joke for a setup. A clown just stays in it. And, If they happen to get the laugh, great. But the clown has to keep going. And that's the fucking difference. You deliver the next joke. Yeah, you got to yeah. keep going.
1: Yeah, that's that's a beautifully put. That's We learned something from that about how to...
3: Yeah, so I feel like uh, Bob Newhart and, you know, <laughs> the creative team behind Southside, like both well fucking done. And so when they invited me back the second season... To be in this episode that's a take on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I grew up just like totally idolizing that movie. I was like, God damn, I won again. (laughs) (laughs) I just grew up a nerd for that movie and knowing every line and all of it. So it was just a lot of fucking fun to do it.
2: (laughs) So in this episode, Brenda and Turner's Day Off, it is a total parody of the 1986 film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, starring Matthew Broderick. And your character, Olivia, like everyone in the film, is trying to find Brenda, who is the Ferris in this story. It's awesome. It's about Black nerds. I just love that these guys are sitting around. It's white guys, it's Black guys, they're on the set, and out of nowhere, this Conversation unfolds about a book called Web of Stars Saga One Quantum Tunnel, <laughs> a story about Shahir, <coughs> a space miner stuck on a dead end rock. I mean, come on, you can't make this stuff up. And they play this scene to the T. And here's the clip.
1: Let me just go ahead and dive in. I didn't like Shaheer's subhuman identical doppelganger. I mean, he's evil. He's ugly. His girlfriend is deeply unhappy with his penis. Every fight he gets into, he gets to, quote, brain shit, unquote, beat out of him. A good villain is supposed to be the hero of his own story, but this guy's a disappointment to himself. I mean, his catchphrase is, Why am I so
3: whack? <laughs> Chicago over everything all day. Those actors are just so genius, and they all Chicago, man. So I just got to keep, I'm going to wave that flag. I don't care. I love that scene.
1: When Khalil and I started talking about the show, this is the piece of it that he kept on coming back to. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, because it's about black nerds, you identified.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's about black nerds. It, <laughs> it's okay, fine. I I, I missed that. <laughs> oh my got goodness! Got it, got it. Touche.
3: I don't know how they got through that scene. I mean, like, <laughs> like seriously, those are comic geniuses we're talking about, and that's why the scene is so perfect because. It's for the Black nerds. So it's like, it's that hood shit, (laughs) and then it's that nerd shit, and it's all coming into one. Yeah. 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 So how did you see this episode in conversation with that movie? She has to go and chase after the lead actor. So in a way, it feels like the character Rooney that's chasing after Ferris. It also feels like this completely made-up character, which it is, And there was a lot of freedom in that. But it's also Ferris's sister. Mm -hmm. Olivia, in this particular episode of Southside, is pulling from a lot of the characters in the original movie. Mm. And um, I was a little intimidated by it, to be honest Mm. with you.
1: And I just want to lean into this a little more, because in whatever it is, like 20-something minutes, there's sort of like a scene-for-scene, you know, recreation of Ferris Bueller's Day Off but in a sort of Black context, a, a Chicago Black context. Instead of going to a Cubs game, they go to a Sox game.
3: Yes, as they should.
1: Instead of going to the Art Institute, they go to the DeSaba Museum of African American History. Which I love, absolutely love. There's just a a beautiful scene there. It's like, you know, lyrical, actually. It's a silent moment where they're just looking at the art.
3: I love that because... First of all, I had the great pleasure of meeting uh, Margaret Burroughs, the founder mm. of the DuSable Museum, mm-hmm. when uh, I was uh, eight years old. You know, she was an educator and she also went to my grammar school. And so, like... I've known some of these heroes my entire life. So we grew up going to the DuSable Museum. I I held hands with my first boyfriend on a field trip Mm. at the DuSable Museum. I know, right? (laughs) Shout out to you, Brian Daniels. Um, So those things are iconic, but you don't see it on film. Yeah, yeah. So seeing it in this episode, it gives me a lot of pleasure and joy. And I'm like, see how hard that was not? Yes,
2: there's one more famous scene to, to shout out. Um, so everyone listening to this who is of a certain generation remembers the famous scene in Ferris Bueller when he's not in school that day, of course. It's, the, it's in the opening first quarter of the film. And his teacher is calling out his name. And it's very monotone. Bueller. 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 Bueller, <laughs> so so. There's there's
1: a, a riff on that, uh, obviously in South in this episode of Southside. It's at a White Sox game. There's actually a sock full of French fries there, and she's also calling somebody's name who is Beulah, with a you know, like like Bueller the school right next to my my house. Bueller,
3: <laughs> Beulah. Beula. somebody named Bueller order a sock full of fries.
1: Uh, <laughs> a woman's first name is, yes, yeah. Oh man, it's so, so good. I was just gonna say one last thing about this. You know, you were talking about clowning and you're talking about, you know, Khalil, you were even talking about the shows that you think it's like. And South Side feels like the Simpsons. Like, they're all of these personalities that are characters in and of themselves and they populate this world. It happens to be Englewood on the South Side of Chicago. And in all of its details too, it really is that place. But it also feels like these humans who were like animated and alive and like you can connect with them in a way that you were saying, Slick, no matter where you're from or, or where you're connecting to this show.
3: I think that that is so accurate and on point. One day talking to their main director, Michael Blyden, just super smart and a nice guy. He actually described it as such Mm. that it was like the Simpsons. Some of these characters appear and reappear and they have, you know, they come in different forms. And that to me, that feels like a creative team that's thoughtful because they're creating an ensemble. So you might see an actor in one season as one character and then they come back another season on South Side and they're a completely different character and it's a testament to uh, not only the skill set of the actor but like the show doesn't take itself too seriously but it also is like I don't know building this crazy multiverse and I'm into Mm -hmm. it so yeah yeah. I think you're dead you're spot on Ben
2: so we're going to talk about another show set in Chicago FX's show on Hulu called The Bear we'll be right back after the
4: break Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, NA, member FDIC.
0: The most innovative companies are going further with T Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.
5: Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect
1: All right, so we're going to talk about The Bear here, guys. And this is another show set in Chicago. It just finished its first season. And the premise of the show, this guy, Carmen, he comes back home to run the family's Italian beef shop. Tina.
4: Carmen. Ibrahim. What is the beef? It's in the oven. Tina, can you start a new there for me, please, Jeff? I need my fennel first, Jeff. Carmen. Ibrahim. I need my beef. Then I do onions.
0: Then I do potatoes. We have sisters. Uh, but you could punch him, blanch him, freeze him, fry him before the beef, right? Don't mess up our place.
4: I'm not messing anything well, uh,
1: up. Okay, his brother has died by suicide. Uh, and his brother had run this Italian beef shop. And now Carmen is back in Chicago, this high-end chef who was working in New York City. And now he wants to run the Italian beef place like it's in a, like a Michelin star restaurant.
2: Well, he doesn't exactly want to run it, but <laughs> he, he has to run it. <laughs> Carmi, the main character, a.k.a. The Bear, that's his his family nickname, is this really troubled soul. He's come from the highest end of the cooking world. He's been to the top of the mountain, and he, he's basically had his butt kicked. His self-esteem is at its lowest, and he finds himself inheriting the family business, and it's a shit show. They just got a C rating from the Board of Health, <laughs> so they're they're barely making it. I mean, do you love this show as much as we do?
3: I had such a visceral reaction to this show. Mm. How so? Because I felt like it snatched my wig off. I was like, God damn, I'm not even wearing one today. And this bitch is, is snatching off the good lace front. What is this? Short answer, yes. It's a good goddamn show. Mm. All right? Usually I watch a show with a stink eye, especially when it's in Chicago, because I'm like, how come they ain't call me? And I don't like that shit. No way. Um <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I absolutely love that show. That show is definitely written for me uh, for so many different reasons. I have worked in the restaurant world as a server. Oh, wow. I'm definitely someone who grew up in kitchens. I come from three generations of cooks. Mm. Like, I grew up in a household where you could not be in the kitchen with my mother unless you were talking about food or unless you were chopping. There was no, like— There's No in-between. Yeah. No, and I'm the same way when I'm in the kitchen.
1: Let's talk more about this sense of setting and city. Does it matter that this show is set in Chicago? Like, you know, could it be set somewhere else? Or is that part of its meaning?
3: You could argue that this show could be set in Philadelphia.
1: Mm. Mm. I see why you're picking Philly.
3: It's like you can, it's a, it's a, a blue collar tough town mm. as cold as this it's like you could swap out the, the Italian beef arguably for a Philly cheesesteak mm. this, that's just an example mm, yeah. but the Italian beef is a superior sandwich. <laughs> okay, just for the record. <laughs> just for the record. And I understand why it's set in Chicago. You really are. You really are li- living
1: and dying in yeah. Chicago. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think the show is very Chicago. I also, if you just like look at it, like just take the pilot episode and you just step back from a technical standpoint. Yeah, it's like the character comes in, he has. There's this expository information we don't know too much about. Mm. He has a challenge. He has to figure the shit out. He goes through the bullshit with the team. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, fuck it. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go against it. So like it's set up very neatly yeah. in terms of T V land, but there is something about it that feels very Chicago.
0: Yo, why the fuck are you on the Kennedy? You chill the fuck out. Cicero lives in Naperville. No, Fucking Cicero's in Wilmette now. You got to get on the fucking Eden's. That's that's right. That's right. That's my
1: bad. It's all good, though. So we're in no hurry to see that motherfucker.
2: Well, I know Ben has, uh, I mean, Ben being there, and for him, this is daily life. For me, it's, you know, it's just an occasional visit. But all these scenes of the elevated train, the L, the skyscrapers off in the distance, this sense of, like, a grimy place, uh... I personally love the interplay of like the old immigrant Italian heritage and the new kind of Black and Latino presence in the kitchen as this like mashup of old and new.
1: That's so interesting, Khalil, talking about griminess and you even saying, you know, slick that it might be Philly. Like to me in this show, Chicago equals grit, grime toughness right there's this idea that they want to convey and you're right like working class and sort of this kind of you know low-end food that that people love you know it's not high-end food I don't think there's a single shot with sunshine in the entire show like it's either a night shot or it's overcast like there's such sort of you know grimness you know throughout the whole thing you know is that there is an idea of Chicago but of course like I'll just compare it to the south side Like, there are no neighborhood shots. There's like, Khalil, you were talking about things like the L and the lake and buildings. And sometimes we're traveling and then we're inside interiors or we're in alleys. But we're never in like a place, a a community where people live. Um, And and certainly not with sunshine and, you know, neighbors and things like that.
3: I love that. To me, that is a, a very specific and smart idea because... When I watch shows that are set in like uh, Northern Europe, I love those. I love the shit that's set in Finland and Scotland Mm -hmm. because they're like these heavy blue overtone, you know, it's gray, it's not sunny. This show plays on
2: this idea of the kitchen itself as a melting pot, as a place where culture yeah, comes right. together. And and I think that's really really beautiful. We want to play a scene though of like when culture comes together and then shit goes crazy. Like <laughs> like because as much as we might romanticize yes. the idea of a melting pot, these folks are not always getting along. There's, you know, the Latino folks, there's black folks, there's you know the white guys who are of Italian heritage, and all of their ethnic identities are really played up to some degree in this show. So we're going to play a clip of Richie, the Italian cousin, who was the best friend of the guy who died, who is just kind of like your asshole's asshole, but he's something fundamentally (laughs) endearing about this guy. And then Sydney, who is this young Black woman who is super well-educated, she went to Culinary Institute of the Arts, and she comes into this kitchen, and she's like, what is happening here? Except she grew up eating that food, and she thinks it's an amazing place, and she wants to help to change it. So here's a scene from Richie and Sydney trying to figure each other out.
3: You know the restaurant could
4: be good. Like, I know you know that. Like, it doesn't have to be a place where the food is shitty and where everybody acts shitty Food's and in. feels shitty. Like, it could be a good,
1: legit spot. Okay, you know what, Sydney? You're getting a little aggressive, and I think maybe you should just pause and take a breath before okay. you start driving. Man or woman, I'm not discriminating. It's dangerous to get behind the wheel when you're hysterical. <laughs> It's so interesting. I mean, I, I love that you picked that clip, Khalil, of, of, of uh, Richie and Sydney, and like there sort of like a crux of the tensions. You know, older, younger, white, black.
2: He didn't even finish uh, technical school. She's you know super well educated. Yeah,
1: and and you know those divisions in this setting, which brings them together, that certainly isn't sh- doesn't have to be Chicago. You know, any city that has a, a, a diversity. How can we bring people who are different together? What's a place that can bring them together? And once they're together, shit, like there's all sorts of drama that's gonna unfold. And Slick, maybe you can talk about this. This is in a lot of ways a a wider show than the South Side, of course, but there's this way that the kitchen is written almost like a stage play. Like you could write a play that's set in the kitchen and because it's a workplace, it brings all these different people together. How did you see that in terms of like racial dynamics and letting them play out in this setting?
3: In many ways, when I watched this, I was like, well, this is a little bit of a documentary because Mm. kitchens can be extraordinarily, not just the kitchen, restaurants can be so segregated. You might see dishwashers that might be Latine or Latinx or Hispanic or whatever. You might see some cooks on the line that are mostly male and, uh, you know, a variety of uh, ethnic and races and such. There aren't very many women or femmes in the kitchen. Usually the, 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 the chef de cuisine is, you know, some really fucked up, angry white dude. <laughs> uh, you know, you might come into the whole stand and see someone of color. You might see a, like, you know, I've also seen the kitchens where it's like you got, you know, black folks in the back chopping things, but not on the floor. So like it's a it's a very it's um, hierarchical, very ki- hierarchical. Oh, it's higher. Yeah. Yes, everything cat. is at it's play. The hierarchy, system. the patriarchy. Yeah. So, in this show, I love that they're to me they're just a band of misfits. Mm. <laughs> That's really what it is. Like he returns to Misfit Island and he's mm. trying to get them ready for the Macy's Parade, and they just not, you know, <laughs> they're not going. Figuratively for
2: it. speaking, the Macy's Parade, right? Yeah.
3: Right. But I love that he comes back to try to implement this French brigade, which is, like, a terrible idea. It is mm-hmm. also, like, I get the discipline of it, but it's problematic. Yes. And so you have this uh, this young Black woman who has gone to the CIA, so you know that she knows how to sharpen her knives and chop it up and make a stew.
2: And that's the Culinary Institute of America, It's not the central intelligence.
3: (laughs) Uh, No, it's not the central intelligence. So you have that, but then you also have the, like, she's basically coming in. She's saying, like, we can do something better Uh and coming in with a better business model. I completely understand that coming from a mother who managed and operated family-owned businesses So I understood how I I got everything in this show. So it it feels really real real to me. Mm.
2: We have a a question for you. So um, if we can get you hired to write for season two of The Bear, what would you do differently?
3: I think the show does not take for granted that the audience is dumb and that you have to feed them. Pardon the exp- uh, you know, pardon the mm-hmm. pun, but that yeah. you have to spoon-feed them everything. That's and right. as a writer, that makes me happy. And so if you put me on season 2 as a writer, like the <laughs> thing I would do differently is like become a writer and then put myself in a cast. And that's what I want to try to do.
0: <laughs> I know right? <laughs>
1: I would do it like like in Rocky. You know how how mick the, the his coach, who's like this you know quintessential Irish guy turns out to be Jewish and like you know Rocky three or four or something. that's what I would do. It turns out that all these Italian guys are Jewish, and that's and then like it moves into like you know Skokie they, in the synagogues
2: and they start selling it, they, they, they start selling Italian beef it. on bagels, right you
1: know like a little schnitzel and
2: like you know like I doing, love it yeah so oh well, well, Slick, it has been amazing to have you on the show. You know, your career is blooming at this time. You just closed a play, 1919, inspired by the poetry of E Ewing. And uh, I know Ben got a chance to see yeah, the play. Amazing. And so we're just super excited that you, you took some time out to join us on Some of My Best Friends Are today. We wish you all the best in your continued work.
3: Time is a construct, and yeah. I'm glad I got to spend it with two people whom I, I just adore. Thank you both, seriously.
1: Yeah, Thank you. yeah. And you talking about our, our aligned paths, me and you, and sort of like imagining the city. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's keep on doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Slick is raising her arms and making these
2: giant muscles. Giant muscles.
3: Let's go. Let's fucking go.
1: Man, Khalil, I feel like I'm not done talking about the bear. I'm still thinking about it in terms of Chicago. Well, that's what a
2: great television does, right? Keeps the conversation going. <laughs> that's what a great podcast is. It's yes. just a starter for conversation.
1: <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I'm thinking about it as it's Chicago aspects, you know, watching mm-hmm, it in this mm-hmm. way. And yeah. I think it's different than South Side in a lot of ways. Okay. Break it down. Yep. To me, it feels like it's made by outsiders. Hmm. And there are all these sort of like literal billboards. And I'm using literal correctly here. There'll be these billboards here that are like giant Chicago-ness things. Like That's Malort, right. this like terrible drink that people drink here.
2: Like signposts, like remember this is Chicago. This is Chicago. Yeah.
1: This is Chicago. Here's the L. Here's the lake. It's all okay. exteriors. Yeah. Like it gets a lot of Chicago things wrong. You know, and, and this is like the nitpicky Chicago stuff, but also like I'm OK with it. And I think I'm OK with it because because the, the intimacy of the, those kitchen scenes that we talked about, which in a way could be anywhere. But like the dynamics that happen there.
2: Yeah. You know, I probably don't feel the same way you do about it. It's more outsider perspective and and the way that they use all these symbols of Chicago. And I'll tell you why. Bring it. Why? Because. Yeah, because. When we worked at Hyde Park Computers, the place where we met when we were 14, yeah, 14 years old. Yeah. You were my boss. Boom. That's right. <laughs> we were in a place, although it wasn't a kitchen, it was kind of like what Uh-oh. is happening on this television show. You are writing our next paycheck right here.
1: <laughs> Hyde Park Computers, the TV show,
2: the sitcom. You had Ed, the Irish Catholic, John, the, the Jewish guy from New Jersey. You yeah. had Jeff, the Polish descended guy from the north side. Abraham, the Mexican-American descendant, along with Jerry.
1: Man, holy cow! You
2: had Black guy Aaron. You had Jeff, who was Chinese American, and who was from the University of Chicago. It was this crazy stew of people.
1: All we wanted to make was the perfect computer store. <laughs> we just wanted to make like the best computer well,
2: like, store possible. You're right, but but think about it. We we had our own French brigade of making computers back then. Yeah, and so. In a way, the show actually makes me feel more like it's Chicago, because unlike what most people think of this, you know, crazy segregated city, which it is true, there are these pockets of amazingness where people from all walks of life do live life together. They work together, they play together, they love Uh together. And and that's what I love about both Southside and The Bear.
1: Yeah, you said it. And Slick said this so beautifully when she said, you need to forge relationships with communities that these TV shows. That's right. And that you can make the universal and the specific. Two things that are gonna stay with me. Oh,
2: I love it. Oh, man,
1: yes. And you know, for the second season of The Bear, when it's set in a Jewish delicatessen, becomes Manny's Deli, I think we're gonna even develop these themes more. You know, like when they have the matzo ball fight. (laughs) I mean, this is gonna be amazing.
2: All right, I'm going to look forward to that. (laughs) All right, man, love you. (laughs) Love you. Some of My Best Friends Are is a production of Pushkin Industries, the show is written and hosted by me, Khalil Gibran Muhammad, and
1: my best friend, Ben Austin. It's produced by John Asante and Lucy Sullivan. Our editor is Jasmine Morris. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wong. And our executive producer is Mia Lobel. At Pushkin, thanks to Leetal Molad,
2: Julia Barton, Heather Fain. Carly Migliori, John Schnars, Greta
1: Cohn, and Jacob Weisberg. Our theme song, Little Lily, is by fellow Chicagoan, the brilliant Avery R. Young, from his album Tubman. You definitely want to check out his music at his website, averyryoung.com. You can find
2: Pushkin on all social platforms at Pushkin Pods, and you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the
1: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. And listen, even if you don't like it, give it a five-star rating and a review. And please tell all of your best friends about it. Thank you.